Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening all the time in the world, sugar-coated, five to seven the second best exotic Marigold Hotel, and more. On Wednesday, May 6th at 7 p.m., The Cinema is hosting a double book launch for Jane Urquhart and Madhur Anand, while that same night, at the exact same time, The E-Bar hosts Pride Lit, a queer book discussion. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. More information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. Creative Control with Vish on the show, three of my favorite people in one of my favorite bands. The band is Mets. The people are Alex Edkins, Chris Lorich, and Hayden Menzies. I caught up with them just ahead of uh, night one of their two-night record release at Lee's Palace uh, last week. On May 1st, actually, we, we hooked up at a little uh, bar on a patio somewhere in Toronto on Bloor, just down the road from Lee's Palace where they were playing. And uh, their new album, Mets, well, it's called Two. I guess it's just called Two. It's their second album. Out on Sub Pop now, it's, uh, it's, it's great. It's wonderful. You'll, you'll hear a song from it. And it's a nice, uh, frank chat about uh, the band and their lives. Now, I just want to preface this by... There's, there's kind of some inside stuff going on here. And basically, near the top of the interview, I made the mistake. Sometimes I make mistakes. You know this. You listen to the show. Cam Lepke was present. Now, Cam Lepke is a a sound engineer. It does a lot of live mixing for bands. He's very good. And he was in town from Winnipeg to mix the Mets shows. And uh, I made mention of the fact, for some inexplicable reason, because he was kind of hovering near where we were chatting, that one of the last times that Cam and I were present while I was interviewing a band, it was with the Constantines in Dawson City, and during the course of the interview, it became evident uh, that the band uh, was fracturing and were slowing down. And essentially, it kind of came up in the t- in the chat that they were they were going to slow down and, and, and not play for a while. And so I made mention of the fact that Cam, weirdly, Cam was there then, and he was here now. And it maybe it was a kind of joking that it was kind of a bad omen. And uh, and then this became a kind of recurring theme. So, I just wanted to frame that for you. Uh, And once again, as you'll hear throughout the show, I want to go on record as saying I have no intention or interest in seeing Mets stop playing. I love Mets. It just was a funny, sort of funny, but I kind of regret that I even brought it up. But it's kind of a funny thing. Anyway, that's a thing that you need to know. Otherwise, I think everything's pretty clear. And, uh... As I say, Mets are one of the best bands I've ever seen. Their album, their new album is incredible, so go get the record. It's beautiful, too. My goodness, the vinyl uh, record is just stunning. The artwork is great. So I, I love Mets, and they're great, and I wish them well. Here, here it is, myself and all three members of Mets. The 
32nd annual Hillside Festival takes place July 24th, 25th, and 26th at Guelph Lake, rain or shine, featuring performances by... Astral Swans, Bad Bad Not Good, Badminton Racket, Baskery, Battle of Santiago, Braids, The Brothers Landreth, Bulgarian Voices Trio, By Divine Right, Tim Chasen, Nels Klein Singers, Constantines, Nick Crane, Alex Cuba, Daka Braca, Del Bell, Doldrums, Echo Deck, Darren Edens, Eloquent, Etiquette, Nick Ferrio, Jeremy Fisher, Frazy Ford, David Francie, The Good Lovelies, Great Lake Swimmers, Ash Grunwald, Hungai, The Henrys, Suzanne Jarvie, Mo Kenny, The Cramdens, Daniel Lanois, Last X, Lee Reed, Lids, Look Vibrant, Le Luc, Minotaurs, Moonface, The Once, Nancy Pants, Doug Paisley, Fred Penner, Perch Creek, Poor Man's Whiskey, Natalie Prass, The Spring Standard, Jamie Stone's Lomax Project, Sultans of String, Team, Thus Owl, Tribekistan, Riley Walker, The Weather Station, Jason Wilson and Pee Wee Ellis, and more to be announced. For more information about purchasing tickets to this accessible event, please visit hillsidefestival.ca. ordered a Shirley Temple. What did you have? We ordered uh, lagers. Pint of crisp, clean, cool, clean, cold. Canadian lager. Klondike, Arctic. Mm-hmm. Now you guys just did what? A bunch of press uh, leading up to your tour, right? Like, Have you done a bunch today? Uh, a, cu- a little, uh, you know, a couple things. But yeah, basically because of the new records coming out and we, we have been doing quite a few interviews and stuff and we got a tour coming up, yeah. Now, Alex, you typically do the interviews. Hayden, did you do any of the press today? Or uh, we we did all three of us did the Strombo show this morning, which is really cool. The morning, the the radio show. Yeah, from his house. His house. Yeah. You go to his house. Yeah. And was that is that a big deal for you? Are you a big fan? Uh, he was really nice. He was. He's a super nice. Very guy. Uh, very welcoming, good, easy guy to talk to. He seems like he's very good at what he does. So. Why would he do it from his house though? Isn't is the show on the CBC or something? I think that I think it's just for the radio. It's a radio show. It's not on the. I don't know if it's on the CBC. Mm-hmm. To be honest, oh, I thought it was. I thought he did like a big CBC show on Sunday. I have no idea. Okay. Anyway, the that's fine. You don't even know what you did. It you is just, on Sunday, actually. It's, so it's, it's the Sunday CBC thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His okay. setup at home is real comfortable. It's nice. Yeah, it was very. It was very welcoming. It's like it, this. Yeah, it's almost exactly the same as this. Do not you on the corner of Bloor? At a pub. <laughs> it's in a, in a guy's beautiful house. Do you do you know him from back in the day, Chris? Uh, we know each other through like in passing. You know, okay. Like a, for years and years and years being in the same places at the same time. Okay. So you didn't and you'd have to deal with him. On we the, don't hang. You know, you don't hang out with Strombo. No. No. Okay. All right. I don't hang. The reason I wanted to ask about the press you've done so far is because I know that when you put out your first record, a bunch of stuff kind of was foisted upon you that I think surprised you about perceptions of the band. 
Can you recall what some of those things were where you, you were like, oh, why does this keep, like, did anything stick with you where you're like, this is really frustrating? These guys are really tall. Nah, I don't remember that. I mean, it was a lot of, I thought there was a lot of strange um, comparisons music-wise that kept coming back. Also, people were mostly, they seemed really interested in the label that we were on. Uh, that's what I recall. Like, it was a lot of questions about that and a lot of questions about, um, you know, hey, you kind of sound like this or you kind of sound like that. So it's less of that this time. Less of that this time. But the, the, the things that kept coming back, were they frustrating comparisons? Or because you want to set yourself apart, right? But you want to have your own sound. But, and, you know, everyone's kind of always trying to sort of categorize a band and, like, try and figure out what their, uh, who their peers are and who their who the similar artists to them are. So we were hearing that from a lot of people being like, well, you guys are like this, or you guys are like that. And I don't think we always saw it the same way. Yeah, sometimes it's flattering, and then sometimes it's just lazy journalism. And people, but you know, at the end of the day, music is so personal and subjective that whatever you hear isn't wrong, it can never be wrong. So if those people are hearing it harkens back to something or something that just came out the other day, you know, it is what it is. That's something you just gotta take and process and sometimes it can be really you know cool and really really flattering what's a what's like a flattering thing uh you know when someone says that your voice reminds me of jello biafra or something like that i'll be like <laughs> it's only happened once or twice someone said your voice sounded like yes. jellos yeah can you believe that i've, I've never thought that the sex pistols a little bit later. yeah some johnny rodden i like it uh, that's cool never crossed my mind but i'll take it Okay. You guys, as far as I can recall, every time we've had a conversation or I, I read your press, you talk about how you're a bit of a self-contained unit. You're doing this for yourselves, and external considerations don't really play a role in the stuff you put out. At the same time, when you hear stuff that you don't like, do you internalize it a little bit when you move forward? Where you're like, oh man, if people are saying that, we really got to not do anything close to that. Uh... Look at that Shirley Temple, by the way. I like the color, um, the way the light dances. <laughs> Thanks, man. Anyway. Thank you very much, Alan Ginsberg. Thank you. My pleasure. Very nice. My what, pleasure. Is there grenadine? What kind of grenadine? Is there grenadine in there? There's grenadine in there, yes. All right, thanks for contributing to the show. That's great. I'm a big fan of the Shirley Temple. I don't know if I've had one. Are you, is any, are any of you, you're all drinking, were any of you ever, uh, you, you come from sort of hardcore punk backgrounds, were any of you ever straight edge? Uh, I, there was a time in my life when, yeah, I probably, I probably was. I, I don't know if I used that term, but I definitely was abstaining because I thought that was the ultimate, uh, poison. No, that was the ultimate rebellion of a, t that a teenager could have, or not a teenager, a young, uh, you know young man you yeah. end up uh, and I agree with you I never use straight edge myself but I would I would abstain but it, it becomes a thing where you're rebelling against other teenagers almost like you I don't know if you found this but all your peers are or maybe the people that you don't like are just getting wasted and you're just like no not doing that yeah it's more just like what almost what you're expected to do so say no just just because I'm supposed to do this well now you know it's it just it didn't last <laughs> Why didn't did anybody else? Hayden, Chris? I was never straight edge at all. Like I never, like I didn't even relate to the term at all. But I got, re I got really, really drunk when I was like 14 years old at a friend's house, and then I got really, really sick right afterwards. And I decided after that that I wasn't really much of a drinker. Oh, so you minimized? I basically, I completely deleted it from my life until I was old enough to actually drink, and then I ended up in situations where I was, you know, my social circles were hanging out in bars, so I drink beers at bars. Right. And I just, you know, really started to enjoy it. Riveting yeah. stuff, really. Now, I'm, I'm curious, because I go through this now. I'm an old guy now, and people are still trying to get me to drink all the time. I was just in Newfoundland. You guys, we were all in St. John's. That's right. They want you to drink all the time. It's a way of life there it seems it's an important thing for those guys well, they, they, it's, uh, it's uh, social it's it's still actually an extreme form of social uh, you know bonding I think it's similar to over in the UK where you know even the the, the grandmas are gonna go have a pint of the uh, cider you know yeah exactly they'll have a pint at the pub after work or whatever and uh, head home hey, Hayden you uh, Ottawa you were kind of like Ottawa punk guy weren't you a little bit 
grew up in that scene a little? I was a punk for sure, and I lived in Ottawa, so <laughs> Ottawa punk guys, <laughs> perfect way to describe I it. I just remember, you know, you and I have a bit of a history because your band, uh, which band would it have been? You were in Three Penny Opera, right? Yes. So your band would play and we would play together sometimes yeah. in the band I was in, so I remember you from that time and I thought of you as an Ottawa punk guy. That's, That's what I'm calling back right now. I'll take that. I kind of I find that flattering. Was that was so was it was any uh, abstinence part of that? Yeah. Um, again, I didn't really, I didn't throw the term around, but uh, I don't know. It's just the company you keep. You know, if I, if the people I was playing in bands with or or hanging out with on a Friday night or something, if if the goal of the evening was not to drink or do drugs and stuff, then I didn't really. I w- well, no, I, then I would say, to hell with you guys. I've got better things to do. My recollections of it were like it, it, that it was like epically PG. Like, but a big group of friends who would just plan events and plan like... Epically PG. Epically PG. Like, we were like, today we're going to the beach and then we're going to go bowling. You know, like things that like people that's do on their eight-year-old birthday party. Like, that's yeah. what we would do. I mean, we would egg people's houses. We'd only use like free-range eggs and shit. <laughs> Stuff like that. There's okay. a lot of rules. <laughs> it sounds like both of you are from that area. You kind of rejected this. So that's what happens, right? You reject the mainstream, uh, you know getting drunk or whatever then you try to get into punk then they have an orthodoxy that you have to reject as well of course of course yeah. punk rock came with it just got old <laughs> punk rock came with all the rules it's when true when I was younger like when I, when I first got into punk rock I was like whoa shit these guys hate everything <laughs> I can't do anything and I gotta so, be really considerate about a lot of different things it's kind of strange because it's probably like if you're like me like you you find yourself having uh, a lot in common with these people but then the more you hang out with them they can be a bit of a drag and you're like why 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 are there so many things that you have to do just to function Uh, yeah i don't i it was never a drag just because those it was really a pretty tight-knit bunch of friends and uh it was never a drag but it certainly you know wasn't um like i said it kind of it it was a small sacrifice to make to not go out and get loaded. We're like, well, look what I can, I can hang out with a little bit. Yeah. It's actually arrested. You, I actually think it's arrested development. I think it's, it's you, you, when you think about all the things you're not supposed to do in, within that orthodoxy, it's like no drinking. Some people say no sex. That's crazy. I think we can all agree that's not good. And then, and then no drugs. It's all the stuff that older kids would do. It was kind of like owning your teenage years and... and, and as I say, freezing it almost. In some ways, I think it made um, my my uh, my university years that much better, though, <laughs> because it was really like, what's that song from Aladdin? Why are you pointing at Hayden? Why would Hayden know the answer to that? Arabian Nights. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> I was thinking a whole new world. Oh yeah, <laughs> that applies. That applies to. Whole <laughs> <laughs> new world. Wait, why? I don't understand. What? What? Why was university so much better? Because you you abstained. Because I, no, I. That's I was through abstaining. Booster. Oh, you gave up abstaining when you got to school. That was, like, it, that was all brand new. Sex, drugs, and homework, man. It's fucking. I believe the expression is, <laughs> sex, drugs, and Aladdin. I think that's what I remember as a kid. The one uh, thing I do remember about like every like hardcore kid I was hanging out with is every one of them was like super scholarly, like and really interested in being good at their academic uh, yeah. uh, direction. You Where know? are you from again? I grew up on the east end of the city, but all my friends seemed to be in like Oakville. The you dog wait, just walking. Just itself. waving at a dog? Yeah. Cruising me. You grew up in Oakville with the birds. I didn't grow up in Oakville. Oh, sorry. Where'd you I grew, grew, I grew up? Oh, your I friends grew up grew in Oakville. I actually grew up in Oshawa. Okay. But then I lived on like the east end of Toronto, almost in Scarborough. And, uh, but all my friends ended up being in like Brampton and Oakville. So I was traveling there for like hardcore shows. And right. Punk they rock shows in like the church basement. And the YMCA. Masonic Lodge. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, the Y. And, uh, but all those guys, like that was like, uh, there was, where I grew up, there was nothing like that. You, if... There was no live music. There was no nothing like that. It was uh, so that was where I went to get like my punk rock culture. But everybody I met was like, if they were straight edge, they were like doing zines and they were doing really stupid shit as well. Yeah, there was that weird thing. Like for me, I think 
one of the eye-opening bands was were were, were bands kind of like Nirvana and whatever, and they they had kind of this slacker connotation. I think this idea of like nothing matter, like almost nihilistic. And then as you, if they became a gateway to punk for you, you might discover bands who cared a lot <laughs> about sure. stuff. And then you've got this weird collision of like I don't care, but I really care. I found the I found the bands that cared first. And then, and at yeah. the time, I was really uh, totally against. I, I don't know why. I was just really kind of stuck up against anything that was like on MTV. I'd still watch it all the time, but I was. I would never admit to liking Nirvana at the time. Now I think you know, hearing those records, they're really good. But um, I hated it at the time. No, 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 no. I'm I'm into this thing. This just that I could call my own. You know. Sure. Pretty, I. You know. Yeah, I, I understand. It's uh, this is where I was going before the drinks arrived. There seems to be this rejection of things within the three of you, and so what I was getting at is that all these people have been saying all this shit about you guys in terms of what you are. You said what? Well, I'm. You know, you you mentioned the comparisons and the whatever. That that's going to happen regardless. We, that's not a bad thing. Don't get us wrong. No, no, no. And I know. And it's just people in my position have to figure out how they're going to contextualize what you're doing. So I think probably the first thing I wrote about Mets probably mentioned Drive Like Jehu and Hoover. I actually remember mentioning Hoover. Do you remember the band Hoover? Of course. Yeah. That, was my, that was the first show I ever went to at Fire Arlington in Ottawa was Hoover. Really? Yeah. You got to see them? First show I ever saw. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sorry, I don't want to get... What was your first show? <laughs> Mine was the Beatles. <laughs> they were kind of bloated. <laughs> Went to the Beatles. Shut up, man. <laughs> no, I didn't go see the you Beatles. got to see Hoover. Anyway, so my point is, on some level, you try to be self-contained. But on another level, I hear you talking about the fact that people say all this stuff and you've got to kind of deflect it. So my question is, you deflect as much as you can, but part of it, you must internalize enough to kind of move forward into what you're doing and not do certain things. I yeah, but I mean it's really it's really just still three guys making music at the end of the day. I don't know, that's how we always thought about it that way. It's like what do you mean like trying to live up to other people's expectations? Opposite. Opposite. If people are saying you're one thing cuz they're hearing a thing that you you're saying like it's cool. People hear whatever they hear. But if you hear the same thing enough times, if you're in... If you hear like a whole bunch of things a whole bunch of times, you're just eventually going to block it out and be like, I don't want to hear any of that well, shit anymore here, at all. Here's what I'll say to that. Is, I mean, I think in this, this, this new record, I think it, it's not the same. I mean, I really don't. I think we, we uh, grew in a lot of cool ways. At least we think so. And I think the songs are different. And I think uh, we think they're improved in in production and writing and playing you know so it's like in that way i think we didn't stick to to what we did in the first one so that feels good yeah no i don't think you did and i mean the part of where i'm coming from is that you released an album it kind of blew up i think even surprising you guys in a way absolutely and you know you got you got all this scrutiny and all this attention and then you tour for a year before you, or years, I don't know how long. What did we, two I, and a half I years. two and a half years. What I read today was something like, it was, uh, all it was, told, it was like 400 shows? It was more than, it was more than 300, and I would say it was, it was more than 300, and I would say it was probably closer to 400 than 300. Don't do that. I'm, I'm, I, people write that all the time, though, and I'm not, I'm, I don't really see why that's interesting. I mean, really, it's just economics. It's like, if you want to do what you love, you and, you know, you need to play it's the only way for anyone to make any kind of money and it's like yeah we had to play a lot of shows it's like and we feel really lucky to 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 be doing so and so absolutely. there were, i mean especially at the beginning when when all, when we started touring a ton there were a lot of offers that came and it was like we may never be able to go back and play this place let's just do it for better or for worse let's just do it and then they just you know kept adding on and adding on and that's I think people are fixated on the volume and the number because it suggests that, A, it's very serious. And, like, the implicit thing about f fixating on that is that, oh, this band means it. They, this, they mean it. Yeah. They were working really hard. But also, I think it's an acknowledgement, like, when the hell do these guys have time to have a regular life and, and, and not even a regular life? When are they going to get back to making records or whatever the hell they, they should be doing? Well, I'll say this. I mean, I don't... I don't know if we do have regular lives. I think we all love this a lot, and I think we sacrifice 
I, and not to sound, you know, bl- like not to sound overly dramatic or anything, but totally, it's kind of all we think about. It's kind of all we. I mean, it is a huge chunk of our time and a huge chunk of our life and our like, you know. So that's for real. That's definitely a thing that you can't really escape. You probably don't want to get. You've all been in bands that are on probably smaller levels. You don't want to get to a point where. You achieve the thing you've always wanted and then start complaining about it to people who are just like, oh, it's so hard touring and blah, blah, blah. No, it's it's absolutely like a dream come true to be able to just go and play with your best friends in front of people every night. Honestly, like there's no other way to look at it for us. We feel incredibly lucky and and I think that motivates us even more to like make a better record go play more like because you know it's just yeah we certainly don't take it for granted it's a it's a head trip every time we're up on stage i think we basically we toured so much because everyone was like like whenever someone was like hey do you want to come and play here it's like oh yeah we want to come and play there it's like well should we spend some time at homes no we could go that we could go to play off festival in poland it's going to be amazing or we can go and play in helsinki it's going to be so amazing so you know, it was opportunity and, you know, uh, the only way to live as a band is to be on the road, really. So, but the opportunity to go to these places was. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A too appealing, yeah. To, to not go, so we just toured our asses off. No, it's as Alex says, it makes complete sense. That's what you're banned. That's what you're supposed to do. How much do you guys think about the future? I used to think that you never thought about the future. It seemed like you did stuff. I'd email you to do something. Chris, can you guys do something? And you would just say yes, we'll do it. Pretty much always, you say yes, which is very nice. Uh, on some level, you know, as things got busier, it became a thing where well, we got a, we got a show coming up in a few months. We got to be more careful. And that's the first time I really got the indication that you were thinking about the future. And I, I'm curious if, if your re- relationship and your music's relationship to the future has changed uh, as the band has evolved. I think that's lo- what you're talking about is primarily logistics. Like, you need to book that far in advance if you're going to like do things the way we do. So, yeah, we've booked like six months in advance or more. Like, we're booking January right now. Yeah, so that's kind of just how it goes. Um, and other than that, no, the only, the only thing we think about is like, you know, getting into the studio and recording another record and like just doing, really keeping it to that. We play shows and we record albums. Mudhoney had this song they put out a few years ago called I'm Now. Do you know that song? Yeah. I really, I took that song to heart because I, I viewed it as him, as Mark Arm in particular, I presume as the lyricist being like, man, people say we sound like the Sonics or people say we sound like blah 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 but we're like this is us now and I think of you guys in the same vein sometimes I'm older now and you guys are kind of my contemporaries but I think about like aging into the music you're making this the music you're making do you think you could do this when you're super old no I don't I I I honestly don't and I don't think any of us have any interest in doing that I think we want to do like bust our asses and leave something that we're really proud of behind and then walk away and that's maybe that's why maybe deep down subconsciously is why we're doing so much right now because i mean yeah we're not young and it's like and it hurts every night (laughs) and we and we truly we truly love what we what we're doing so much that we would hate to to have to admit to ourselves that like ah we went too far we are went too long or you know we're sort of pushing um pushing the envelope on on it's like it's like the amount of touring we were doing um it was great but at some point you have to ask yourself are we playing as well after 
week one as we are after week 12. Maybe not. You know what I mean? You have to start asking yourself, like, are we doing justice to, to what we work so hard to achieve, which is the songs that we that we care so much about to record and to put out and to tour and, and are lucky enough to play for people. So we don't... I think that would be a shame for us to tarnish that. And I think that's... I think that's the reason why we don't really even talk about it between the three of us because we all it's a common thread we know that it, it uh there's a an understanding that this is somewhat finite if there seems to be an urgency and i don't know like if you seem to be doing this a lot more than maybe other bands are and more intensely it's because you might know <laughs> something deep down yeah i mean we're not this trying to, gonna last forever no i mean everyone if they're realistic they they need to know that too we're not like trying everyone, to say it, it, not like, we're not trying to say it has an expiry date that that we are all aware of but it's sort of you know given given the the the, the type of music that we play and and the way we play it this guy's trying to break us up just like the constantines <laughs> maybe this is why it happened i'm you, not you, no you i asked ask kind of questions no i didn't ask these probing questions that i was like how's your toast you gotta, you and they would like be like we're it. done <laughs> i can't handle that toast like, question it's a rare occasion when a band comes back from from being dead and or, or like you know, or like being dead. You know, as as a as a collective group, and, and ends up being in a better spot. And the only one that ever comes to mind that I can even think of is Mission of Burma, right? Where they like they made great music in the past, and then they came back, and I feel like they made even better music. I am not trying to break you up <laughs> or put a seed in your head about this having. I just think I, I have thought of like I watch you guys, and it's full on. It's very intense. And I just think of, like, the kind of music you're making. You say you're self-contained. It's three guys making this. And at some point, you will naturally not want to make this kind of music this anymore. This is true. And I think, I mean, like we were talking about this new record. I think it is, it's different. And I think the next one's going to be different again. And I think we're going to, you know, we're going to change musically for sure. And I'm not saying that's going to mellow out because we really only do what feels natural. Um, so who knows about that? But, um yeah, no, you know, like I don't, we we don't think long term like that. Other than booking shows, we just go like, you know, the the day that it starts sounding crappy to us and feeling crappy is the day we're gonna stop. I think that's like any other band. It's telling that you say you don't think long term. That was kind of my original question. Well, There's an immediacy. Yeah, I think it's maybe in our heads we think that we're gonna. This is never gonna end, which is you know not true. Yeah, you set but, it up as like a bit of a probing. You're gonna break up tonight kind of question. It's like I did not. record release show. Why don't you guys break up? No. Vishkana's no. creative control. <laughs> no. <Blog> or <laughs> podcast. No. No. It's not a blog. It's a podcast. I, know. I uh, don't. No. Don't, pick, don't. Don't break up my show. Get that right, Vish. Yeah. Let's get Don't that right. Unimportant parts here. You know what you're trying to get. I'm not here. trying to get at anything. Yeah, I'm, Vish, I was you're just. Dig, you're digging. I was deep. listening to your record while I was stuck in traffic. You're like, in man, my... these guys. These guys sound like they're upset with each other. We should no. have a little chat. No, I get the exact opposite <laughs> feeling about you guys. I don't know of any band that makes music as intense and, I guess, dark as you. That seems to get along. Maybe Shellac get along just as well as you do. But otherwise, <laughs> you seem to love doing this and you like being around I each think other. It's having this outlet then allows us to be happy people on the daily because we have this amazing thing that we get to do that afterwards you feel like you've been your demons have been exercised you know a little bit yeah you know it's it's pretty awesome i feel it's like the really good therapy session and when you talk about the evolution of of the band with with as it's reflected on the new record are they primarily from your perspective, are they production choices? Like, where do you feel... I hear a lot of production stuff going on that I initially thought, oh, they didn't do this on the first record. And then I re-listened to the first record. I'm like, oh, they kind of did do that same kind of dynamic dynamic production, if that so makes now sense. Now you're going to say that the record sounds the same. No, I actually think the new record sounds a lot different than the first record. But, that, but I do think that you've always had a mind for production and an ear for production. It never really seems like a live band making a record, so I to speak. That's really very true yeah we definitely want to approach making a record for what it is and it, we're, we're not about throwing a couple of mics up and playing live we're about making a record and I think that went over a lot of people's heads uh, maybe the first time uh, I think people thought it was like this really rambunctious live thing and it was it was pretty meticulously put together I mean uh, and so was this one yeah yeah okay oh we got to wrap up here pretty soon, I think. You got to go, don't you? You got to go? Chris has got to go. We'll wrap up soon. Um, oh, Cam. Oh, man. Cam Lepke is 
Making a scene as always over there. Why? How do you get Lepke? Uh, how? Why? Hayden? Why is Lepke here? He's from Winnipeg. What is he doing here? Yeah. Well, we have a hometown connection. So. What do you mean? Are you? What do you? How? What? I was born in Winnipeg. You were born in Winnipeg? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. No. Okay. <laughs> That's why like he's, he's stabby like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, you think it's a game? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, heard tell that uh, as you're planning this tour and thinking about the new record, you're already making new songs. You're recording new songs. So after the record was mixed, you kind of had we had this outpouring of you know you get in the room again after not touching your instruments. You know the mixing, you just mostly mostly just sitting there in a room um and so when that was finished and we were satisfied go you know get together and uh immediately you kind of have you feel um liberated a little bit so all, all kinds of stuff came out and we jumped right back into the studio to see if we could put it down uh i mean it's not an album's worth but it's you know some stuff we're hoping to release pretty soon oh in some oh like a single or something or yeah who knows an ep Singles single one song man. it's gonna be more than that Chris just schooling me on how math works. You guys are... He's at your jugular tonight. Oh, trying I, to break up our band, I man. am not trying to break up <laughs> the band. Here, just, you guys are broken up. Right? I think maybe... Are we broken up? <laughs> please don't break up. Did we break I, up? No, I... You know what? I'm starting to get self-conscious. Look, I am starting to feel you know self-conscious what, about this because people have accused me of, on my show oh. of being a bit of a gossip monger, you know? Like yeah, a bit I of mean, a catty chatty or I chatty Cathy or whatever. You've yeah. been chatty cathying us the whole time and now we're broken up. I don't want to break you up. when you started this. Not at all. Thanks. It's like more like kitten claws. Look, I just spent three hours in traffic to come see you play your stupid show, and that's what I'm here to do. I love well, you it's guys. Because we just broke well, up. We love you too, and we're never breaking up. We shouldn't break up. Don't break up. I just was trying to talk we'll to people. Old and fat, and and uh, still trying to scream at the Utes. The Utes. Yeah. Don't say that. Don't Sorry. say Utes. Yeah, that's, Where's that's, that from? That's from my cousin Vinny. Damn. Great movie. Sorry, Joe Pesci. It's my bad. So Wait, is it pesh? From what? What? Oh, you, is this about a uterus? No, it's not about a uterus. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for the comment. You have two kids. I'm aware. That's you, where they came from. The uterus. Kids, they're good. The kids yeah. are good. <laughs> yeah, Ramona and Levon. They're, they're good. How how oh, old Ramona now? See the pictures on the Facebook. Oh, thanks. She's gonna be five months uh, tomorrow. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we're. You're we're uh, like the story of the day that she was born is insane. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, the <laughs> midwife didn't show up, and uh, basically I had to showed up the wrong house. Showed right? up the wrong house, and I was yelling down the street at 4 a.m. to like come park by our house. And then I almost caught, my wife was like, is the baby okay? Because I saw Ramona's head and uh, I, no sound was coming out. And I was like, I don't know. I froze. That's a scary, scary moment. But no, yeah, we're good. We're good. You know what? What? What is that? No, he's from we, Winnipeg. Are we cutting it? What does that mean? I don't know. It means he's going to kill me. Okay. I thought he was trying to wrap up the interview. I had, you ask about my son. I do want to tell you one quick story. My son and I became obsessed at the same, well, I was already obsessed, but we became I got him obsessed in, uh, with the Bon Scott era of ACDC. Oh, nice. And he loved every record until we got to Highway to Hell. I was kind of going chronologically in the car. And then he, I, I let it slip that he died, that he passed away after Highway to Hell and they had a new singer. And ever since then, I showed him the ACDC on the Grammys and he was like, what's going on? They're old. And, and then he kind of forgot that, bon, who's that guy? I'm like, it's Brian Johnson. Anyway... He has not, he has refused to listen to anything but, but the Razor's Edge and Back in Black. Good for him. Yeah. By Brian Johnson. He's rejected the, the greatest lead died? singer. This is what I discovered yesterday. I you put on. Right? We listened to Highway to Hell a lot when we were making the record. On that crazy stereo. There was this super hi-fi oh. turntable at the, at the barn. And we figured, what's the best record, you know, to, you know, test out a super hi-fi system? We're like, this would probably be pretty good. Because it's a great, great record. It's not an option. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyone? Uh. But it's weird having your three-and-a-half-year-old running around the house screaming about how the girls got rhythm. <laughs> She's got the backseat rhythm, like, over and over again, like a little kid. You're doing a good job. I'm doing a terrible job. He's going to be awful. Anyway, yesterday... His Twitter's going to be insane. It is going to be great. No, yesterday we had it out, and he said he didn't want to listen to Bon Scott because he died. So now well, I've, I've traumatized my kid. Well, that's sad. That's I mean, he is a better singer, though. I, although, I, I like both. I like both singers a lot. Like, but no one can replace Bond. I'm just trying to break up ACDC right now. I know you are. 
You're such a chatty they're, they're gonna keep going. Anyway, my point here, I don't remember how we I got wait, stuck. You wanna go to that show when they come through? Yeah, yeah, the Downsview Park or whatever? Yeah, let's, let's do that. You You're gonna I'll go, go out? Yeah, I wanna go. All right. Did you watch we, the uh, Grammys? We're on tour for sure. Where are we, Chris? <laughs> we're probably in uh, Germany somewhere or something. Well, that sucks. There in, is that in September? <laughs> Germany and ACDC seeing Germany. Seeing ACDC in Germany would be pretty cool. <laughs> All right. So you guys are making new songs and you're not broken up and you're going to be fine and everything's great. All right. We're yes. going to talk after this interview. Yeah. No, but things nice are good. We're happy. We're, we're going to play some shows, you know. It was a good therapy session. Yeah, this was good. I'm sorry. I didn't a mean to shaky for the show. Listen, tonight. I don't want to do this anymore. Tonight, I don't want to sure be the gossipy podcast guy. I just want to ask people questions that intrigue me. I, all I'm saying is, I can't. You see, I have no notes. I listen to your album in traffic. This is clickbait, Connor. That's <laughs> yeah, the worst. The headline's gonna be uh, extreme. <laughs> let, let, let's just see it. Clickbait, Connor breaks up Mets. The Constantines, ACDC, <laughs> Led Zeppelin. I'm like the Grim Reaper of. But his marriage stays intact somehow. Oh man! Why now you're going after me? That's interesting. Because I have been away from. Where's I'm your away, wife? She's in. We'd like. I'd like to have a little she's chat. She's in Guelph with the See kids. Clickbait. Chris can get in on this shit. <laughs> Please don't mess with my stuff. I'm not trying to break anyone up. I'm fine. You guys are fine. Hey, what's your favorite song on the new Mets album, Chris? Let's switch topics very rapidly. Do you have a favorite song? No, I'm going to ask everyone. You just you don't, don't look at them. I've a. Uh, Chris doesn't have a mind of his own, does he? He's always deferring to you guys. I can tell. That's his steez. Oh, I'm sorry. Now he's glowering at me. Uh, I think it's a toss-up between, and I mean, to listen to versus playing. I, I like acetate a lot because it's got, it kind of just moves around, sticks like one one thing for the whole song. Like the bass just sort of rides that yeah. one riff. But then Spit You Out seems to be like the one that seems to show the most growth, so it's currently my favorite okay and is acetate the one with the awesome waffle the pancake video that's the one makes me hungry that uh, i still have to buy a squeeze bottle i want to make letters for my son i thought he'd get a kick out of that you know it came out on pancake tuesday as well right i remember that yeah, yeah that was that really was cool huh? we didn't plan no that. we planned that entirely that's a lie yeah that's a lie you guys don't think about the future hayden what's your favorite song on the new mets album um no future I I think Spit You Out is probably my favorite. Um, I just when we were writing it, it felt it just felt new. It felt like it was something a little different for us. But I also really like Kicking a Can of Worms. Uh, that one's really fun to play live. It's hard to pick one. Do you know what? Uh, do you have a sense of if the songs are about something uh, based on the lyrical motif? Do you know? Do you have a sense of what the songs might be about? Those the ones you mentioned. I mean, I do now only because we've been doing a bunch of interviews. But at the at the during the writing, I don't really. That's we don't really that's know. always interesting to me when you learn more about what's going on in your band through an interview, like this one, like how you learned that you're done. Fucking <laughs> 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 I was coming up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like these guys don't aren't too surprised of what uh, is on my mind. They they know me pretty well. Do you uh, because you're traveling so much and experiencing so many things together? Do you try to stick to writing about those kinds of experiences or those kinds of things? No, it's never, uh, you know, tra- traveling band type uh, lyrics. No, no. Stuff you read? Yeah, uh, yeah. Sometimes, uh, yeah. Read, um, see around you. You know, it's observational, I suppose. You're you're, you're a fellow, I think, who's not known for. Uh, necessarily articulating your lyrics you, there's a lot of screaming going on they, they, yes. they do seem a little more uh clear on this record they're they've been pushed to the forefront in the mix yeah um this isn't an enunciation class you took or something that no it's uh it's more like confidence i think uh you know i was never interested in being the front man of a band honestly you know i always wanted to be, play music but never be that guy and it kind of just happens. So it's. It, I think this is definitely with the with the new record. It's a, it's it's a evidence of growing confidence in in being you know a singer or a front person or whatever. So you know I'm a little bit more less bashful about having those things up front. And as someone who tends to scream a lot, uh, do you agonize over lyric, like uh, actually writing stuff down? Yeah. Yeah, to be honest, um, yeah, it is kind of a, a can be a very kind of tough um, 
procedure. You know, this time around it came quicker because it was something that was being thought of and written during the, the writing of the songs. The first record, it was an afterthought. It came after the, the songs were written, but this it, time it, around... It, it, it did seem to me on some of the early recordings that your voice was like a texture, you know what I mean? For sure, yeah. yeah. And now, now it seems like you're trying to convey more stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 I guess it's a little bit more singy at times, a little bit more melody at times, and it's something that um, we've always loved, um, that side of music, and we also love the kind of brash, dissonant side of music too, so... Yeah, being being confident enough to, to show some of that and still, um, you know, not completely go too far. Hey, Chris has got to go. Thank you for your time. You stayed overtime. You're a good man. Okay, uh, I appreciate this, guys. Mets, you know I love you and that you're going to be around forever. I need to know what song we should go out on. It sounds like Spit You Out might have... Did you pick one? What's your favorite song? I pick one. But that sounds good to me. Is that, is that one you like? I do like that one. Yeah. If the, I like them all, man. Like, come on. This is a we made a record where we we like all of the songs. Yeah, they're like your Bon Scott hating children. These songs. That's it. That's what I like to say. Okay, so we'll go with "Spit You Out." I love Bon Scott. Let's all toast. Uh, give Bon Scott a toast with a Shirley Temple. Because things would have worked out differently if he'd had Shirley Temple. That's true. It really would have. It would have been completely different for Bond. It would have been a different time. All right, spit you out, Mets. Good luck. Thank you. Godspeed, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks, man.
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.